Seattle Medium Podcast is sponsored by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. From a financial perspective, the black community may be experiencing economic growth, but at the same time, the wealth gap in America continues to expand. And a prime example of this is a new report that indicates that black neighborhoods and business districts have been stripped of $406 billion. And with, this morning, and with me this morning to talk about this issue is Charlene Kroll. Good morning, Charlene. Good morning, Chris, and Happy New Year to you and the listening audience. Thanks, and same to you. Um, Charlene, redlining and other discriminatory practices have significantly impacted our community, but this recent report really speaks to something that very few of us think about, but really impacts our community in a number of ways. When we talk about the undervaluation of black-owned property, especially when we talk about commercial property. Oh, for sure. You know, um, so many uh, families are just struggling to take care of what's right in front of them. You know, kitchen table politics, uh, economics rather, are about, you know, activities coming up that children want to participate in, and there's always a cost to the household if they do. You know, was the light bill more than we expected this month? You know, are there unexpected uh, expenses that popped up that we need to cover? And that kind of uh, dynamic doesn't leave a lot of room to think about larger trends that contribute to some of that financial stress. So what this report does is that it takes apart uh, data on incomes, pensions, household finances, and it does that by comparing racial and ethnic demographics. And it's really, really important for people to understand that many times it's not their individual choices that are affecting the financial stress. Many times there are systemic problems that need to be addressed and have not been addressed historically when it comes to black America in large. For example, the typical household uh, wealth of black people in 2022 was $44,900. By comparison, now we're talking about wealth, not income, the typical wealth, the largest in the nation by ethnicity, was held by Asian Americans who had $536,000 of wealth in the typical household. That was more than the amount of wealth held by whites, and black people were basically less than half of that. So we 
then say, well, okay, let's look at money, because you can't save or invest what you do not have. If you look at median incomes in that same year, 2022, blacks had less than half made by Asian Americans. Uh, The median income for black people in the workforce full-time was $52,860. Now compare that to more than 81000 that was held by whites in income and over $108,000 in median uh, income earned by Asian Americans. So when we start talking about income disparities, we have to connect that to wealth building or what suppresses wealth building. Uh, the idea of saving for a home, a down payment for a home, or taking advantage of high-yield savings accounts like certificates of deposit or money market accounts or investments in stocks and bonds are just totally out of the 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 direct uh, capabilities of many, many people. And when you look at those who have been able, black people, to own their own homes, if they live in a majority black zip code, this new report says that people lose collectively $235 billion. Now, that loss is due to lower appraisal values, redlining, and other systemic discriminatory practices that continue today despite uh, federal laws and, in many cases, state laws. Similarly, if you are one who believes in patronizing black shoppers, black vendors, black retail organizations, the devaluation of those properties, we're talking about black shopping districts that are located in majority black zip codes, you're talking about another $171 billion in losses due to, again, devaluations. So taken together, we're talking about $406 $406 billion in losses in wealth that black America is, is crippled by just from the commercial real estate and the devaluation of home ownership. Now, just think for imagine how different our wealth would be, how less our financial stress would be if these kinds of trends were removed from black and Latino communities. So that's why public policy reforms that address the historic inequities, the racial wealth gaps, are so important. Those are things that have to be done, and a large part of that is enforcing laws that are already on the books. If we look at redlining, that is illegal. If we look at predatory lending, in many cases, that is illegal. So if if you just do the enforcement, I'm not saying that there isn't more to be done legislatively, but more enforcement would diminish uh, these incredible disparities by race. 
Right. And Charlene, you know, when you talk about the valuation of homes and the valuation of commercial property, I mean, those are two major um, financial instruments that people can utilize to leverage their finances. It, it, it improves um, what they might be able to um, get finance in terms of trying to secure resources to invest in their business. Um, also, in terms of what they might be able to do to uh, invest in, in home uh, improvements within their home, um, you know, just maintenance and upgrades and things of that nature. But it, um, it just reminds – and then you talked about also just spending money with uh, our own businesses and what that can mean. But it, it really gets me to think about as we're looking about to celebrate Black History Month and starting in just a uh, few days that I can't help but thinking about the slogan on the shirts made famous by our own Seattle homegirl, Angela Rye, that says, we built this joint for free, referring to the economic relationship between America and the black folks who live here, and just how we continue a number of ways to make pretty much everyone else in America besides ourselves very very wealthy and really don't have very much as a community to show for our efforts, despite the, um, the buying and spending power of black folks all across this country. Oh, absolutely. Uh, business creation and expansion has always been uh, an important tool to build wealth. In 2020, black businesses employed 1.3 million people. They also created over 48,000 new jobs. The problem that most black small businesses encounter is access to capital uh, that would make improvements, expand their business, make them more competitive. But as you well know, that access to capital is often very elusive. And when it is available, typically it's not always available at mainstream lenders. Uh, There are predatory lenders that will give you small amounts, uh, but the terms of those loans are are so egregious that you do yourself more financial harm uh, than good when you take out one. Uh, access to capital to open a business, to expand a business, is certainly a way to uh, make more significant the the measurable benefits of black business growth. Uh, Addressing these commercial real estate uh, issues, as well as the homeownership, these devaluations, also affect the ability to develop intergenerational wealth. We hear so many times that people inherited this or inherited that, and by that I mean white people, Asian Americans, and, and that's well and good. I think we're at a point in time where it's very important for people of color to gain the ability to pass on something uh, to their heirs. Uh, if it's the a home that's paid for, that gives the heirs a leg up financially. We don't have a lot of wealth that's disposable. That's why we borrow so much in student loans. Because if we had the money, we wouldn't need the student loans. 
to get a college education. So it's mm-hmm. one of those things where the the knee bone is connected to the leg bone, connected to the foot bone. It all comes together, and we need uh, to be very conscious of the people that we elect to office to make sure that there is real meaning to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You cannot sustain social equity without economic parity. That's the bottom line. Right. Well, Charlene, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. I want to thank you for continuing to um, make sure that uh, issues like these are in front of our community that we're aware and informed and also can be make some responsible decisions and be proactive uh, in our advocacy as well. Absolutely. Uh, whatever our budgets are, we can look at what we're spending and carve out something uh, to hold on to. Your payday should never become an exchange day where you take your earnings and hand them over to uh, the bill collectors. You are entitled to keep a portion of what you earn. 